0: Sick Boy Wolfgang Productions presents presents. The Offering with Jerry Horror. A deep dive into the history of film and its filmmakers.
1: Mostly horror, always genre. Where can I get my pickles when I can't get to a farmer's market or festival? The answer is Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. Listen, I've been selling a small pickle my whole life. I know all about it. From the vine to the brine, they keep their pickles cold with a delicious, diverse selection of gourmet pickles, including their savory, classic, bread-and-butter sweet chip, horseradish pickle, jalapeno pickle, and sweet Cajun pickle... They even got pickled beets and okra, a variety of sour treats for your next barbecue or get together. But if you visit their store in Bayville, Long Island, New York, there's so much more, so much more. A fantastic selection of physical media, comics, music, movies, VHS, and Matt Roran, their enthusiastic pickle salesman. It's kind of a big deal. Check them out now at hormansbestpickles.com. Hey, quit jerking your gherkin and head over to Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara, the show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults about the things that matter to me, or at least that I think matter to me. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get fine podcasts, and hey, stay up to date on future episodes. This week on The Offering, we're talking all about the Friday the 13th franchise, but in particular, the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. Hello there, folks. Welcome to The Offering. My name is Jerry Hara. And I'm so appreciative that you're here. Oh, it's fantastic. Kick off your shoes. Take your bra off. Now's the time. You can have a drink. Okay, well, maybe you're in an airport. Okay, well, yeah, I guess you could have a drink. And you know what? It's kind of crazy because I saw an airport the other day where they were selling cannabis. So I guess you could just do whatever you want now. So uh, if you're in the airport, take your bra off, take your shoes off, have some cannabis and a drink. I want you to do it all. I want you to be as fucked up as you possibly can before your Aunt uh, Tilda comes and picks you up. Summer is here. We're in the home stretch of the summer. It is crazy. It's hot. You're bored. Some of your friends are away at summer camp. You got nothing to do. I always liked summer because every year uh, around this magical time, they would bring out a new Friday the 13th movie. And some of those memories of getting to go up to upstate New York uh, Lake George Which pretty much looks like where they shot Friday the 13th films uh, Because it really wasn't that far away The initial ones were shot in Blairstown, New Jersey So it's all kind of the same East Coast kind of vibe and foliage But I would go up there And it was exciting to go to the local theme park And, you know, go kayaking Or whatever the hell white people do And uh, one of my favorite memories, though, was that every year we'd get a new Friday the 13th movie. So secretly, I was just waiting uh, for my cousin Scott to take me to go see a Friday the 13th film and not tell my parents. Now, some summers there weren't Friday the 13th movies out at the time I was on vacation. And those were pretty much terrible. But thankfully, I got to see Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. And that was a good movie. I enjoyed that movie. But uh, it was kind of weird. So they start the movie. We're watching the coming attractions. And then a giant possum ran through the middle of the audience. Um, because I guess they have giant possum problems there. Everybody freaked out. They were ah, screaming. And all these, you know, young kids come running out of Revenge of the Nerds 2. And they're like, oh, there's a possum in there. And, you know, it's crazy because you would have some of these people who, like, were really backwoods type of folks That had grown up upstate And they were used to this So wouldn't you know it um, <laughs> The owner of the place had some kind of a glove And he just grabbed the possum And it was hissing And, and just brought it right through the fucking Concession stand area And then threw it out into, into the wilderness Those were good times Those were simpler times But it was definitely a highlight of every summer To have a new film To look forward to Uh, Especially because I would be scared out of my mind that Jason Voorhees was going to either A. Pull me under the water at the lake, or B. At night, come to my cabin and murder me. And there's nothing more important in a young person's life knowing that they could be brutally murdered at any point in the wilderness. With that being said, this week we've got a real barn burner for you. We're talking all about the Friday the 13th franchise, the Tommy Jarvis Trilogy. So have some s'mores, light that joint, and make sure that you're having premarital sex because, hey, I want to see you get murdered. My name is Jerry Hara, and I regret to inform you that I'm very sorry that I wished you to be murdered. I hope that you have not been brutally murdered. I hope that you made it to this part the beginning of the episode. It's, it's very important. So again, I would like to apologize to the following people. No, I'm not going to do that. I just, Jesus Christ. In 1982, the Friday the 13th franchise was going to probably come to an end. Paramount said, you know what? We made money on the first two. We should be really happy that we've made this much money. And somebody came up with a brilliant idea and said, hey, let's put it in 3D because there's this new 3D uh, effects process. They're making Jaws in 3D, and we should really use it. It would be a good way to capitalize and market and make some extra monies. We can charge people uh, an extra dollar to get into each showing. Really genius idea. And I will tell you this, folks. Mark my words, it will be back. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. This is the only Friday the 13th. Friday, August 13th is the only Friday the 13th in all of 2021. So if you're going to get brutally murdered, it's probably going to happen this week. So if this is the last podcast you listen to, I feel very sorry for you. Anyway, back to our program, Already in Progress. So, they decided that Friday the 13th Part 3D would be the swan song for the entire franchise. This is it. We'll just, you know, we're going to bring it to an end. Finish it in 3D, the classy way that you finish any franchise. But wouldn't you know it, Friday the 13th Part 3D made a shit ton of money. Maybe it was because of the goofy 3D gimmick. Maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but it made a lot of money here stateside and internationally the Japanese love the hell out of this 3d movie. With that being said, they said you know what that's it we're done. We're gonna go out on top. We made the 3d movie we got our perfect little trilogy let's uh, let's just you know ride off into the sunset with the our saddles full of money. nope So in 1983 for the first time in 1980, Friday the 13th came out, 81 Part 2, 82 Part 3. 1983 was one of the only years that had a distinction that didn't have a Friday the 13th movie in it. And wouldn't you know it, those executives at Paramount had spent a lot of money on different movies that didn't make money. And the only way that you could have a surplus of money... Basically, these movies, they were a license to print money in the first place, but... A lot of times you would have films that were supposed to perform and they didn't. And the only way you could make up that difference was these low-budget horror movies. So they start kicking around the idea in 83. And they're like, hey, let's do another Friday the 13th movie. So they were like, okay, we're going to do it. But we're going we're gonna to go out on a high note. We're going to do this the right way. And we're only going to do one more. We're only going to do one more. Because, look, I, I know we did three others. And we said that that was the perfect trilogy, but hear me out. We're going to do one more, and we're going to send Jason off in grand fashion. We're even going to pony up and pay Tom Savini to come back. We're going to get a young Crispin Glover. This is a fantastic time. This is going to be the movie. So they introduce all these different characters, The conceit of Friday the 13th Part 4, and I will say this, I think that the fourth film in the franchise is the quintessential American horror film. Uh, Excuse me. It's the quintessential American slasher film to that point. Um, If you only have to show somebody, if you said, hey, do you like slasher movies? I've never seen one. The one that you show them is Friday the 13th Part 4 because it's honestly the best of the bunch. Uh, The movie fires on all cylinders, it works, it does what it's supposed to do, and it's really an engaging film. Uh, Probably my favorite out of the whole series, Uh, probably the best one. Uh, I have soft spots, and depending on what week it is, I'll say that I like other ones more, but in the end, part four is the best of the bunch. This is a different film. It's not just teenagers. We're introduced to a family. We've got a mother an older daughter, and a younger kid. And the younger kid's name is Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis, obviously Tom, named after Tom Savini, the effects artist, he's a monster kid. And let's face it, we're watching this movie as kids. We're not supposed to be watching it. And we're completely invested into the character of Tommy Jarvis because we're all growing up. There's even that goofy scene where he sees the kids having sex and he's like, you know... Freaking out and it gets kind of horny and strange You know, it's like when you're a little kid And you you see something you're not supposed to see You feel like, you, you know, you got away with something So I think that even though you had a lot of Older teenagers and people in their 20s That were going to see these films There was this secondary market of people like myself That were young kids at the time And we were watching these films via VHS and cable Both of which were new things in the 1980s not everybody had cable initially not everybody had VCRs so it was a, a very new form and way of taking in media so as children were watching the Tommy Jarvis character we're thinking to ourselves that's us that's he loves monsters I love monsters I'm watching this movie it's the perfect delivery method uh, they even had a dog Gordon it's a golden retriever we had never seen a family in the Friday the 13th movies. It was always just young people being butchered. Now, you have introduced not just the concept of, hey, this is somebody's mother. Somebody's mother could get murdered. Do you want this, well, you know, you want, do you want this mother being murdered? Jesus. is Gordon the dog. You don't want the dog to be murdered. Everybody loves the dog. But even more so, the question you're asking yourself is what type of movie this is. And there's two types of directors. A director who will kill a kid And a director who will not kill a kid And you're wondering The entire time you're watching this movie You're like Are they going to brutally murder Tommy Jarvis Oh I didn't mention Tommy Jarvis is played In his first big starring role By Corey Feldman Famous crazy person now You might know him from uh, Oh I don't know He was in a bunch of stuff He was one of the Frog Brothers and Lost Boys Goonies He was the kid in Gremlins. He's in a lot of movies, but this was his first real breakout starring role. Uh, You know, Corey Feldman was going to be a big star one way or the other. He was just such a cute and precocious kid. And this film really is a testament to whatever magnetic charm that he had because he really grounds this movie. Yeah, you've got a bunch of horny teenagers and Crispin Glover, who is out on his own fucking... Who knows? I mean, he's just... But he's a joy to watch. I mean, I'll even say it. Had Crispin Glover never made any more movies, and he had made just this movie, people would still want to meet him at horror conventions. Like, remember that guy who was just absolutely batshit crazy? Yeah, he's signing at Monster Mania. Okay, sure. I'll get his autograph. In fact, if I went to a horror convention tomorrow, and somebody said, hey, Crispin Glover's gonna be there... I Ten times out of ten, I'm going to want to meet Crispin Glover. He's crazy. He's part of the attraction. Tommy Jarvis is the ultimate delivery method for the screenplay uh, and as a character that speaks to the youth watching these films. So we we kind of we kind of see the adventure and the unfolding of events through his eyes. If that makes any kind of sense to you. Because none of this makes any sense It's all ridiculous You're listening to a podcast about a grown man Telling you about a movie that was made almost 40 years ago The guy wears a hockey mask And he's killing people What's wrong with you? This is... uh, I can hear a hundred people pressing stop Um, No, it, it works One of the interesting things was that They decided early on Well, you know what? We're calling this Friday the 13th the final chapter by God, we're going to kill Jason. Because, like I said, we made money off of those other three films, and, and you know what? We can't hedge our bets. One more time, we'll make a shit ton of money, and then we're pulling the plug. Three times before, you have felt the terror. Known.
0: The madness. Lived. The horror. But this... Is the one you've been screaming for. Friday, the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow, dark and silent. You mind? He never utters a word, he doesn't even seem to breathe. Where the hell's the car He simply mindlessly, mercilessly, kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over.
1: Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So when you tell people that it's the final chapter, this was a new and novel concept. Um, the only other movie before this that had been called uh, final chapter was walking tall part three final chapter. Um, so, and that was the final chapter because where else can you go with the walking tall series? Um, so people were pretty much sold like, Hey, we got to go see this, you know, like, and it was very much so marketed as August 13th being which it was released on August thirty, August 13th is Jason's unlucky day because, Hey, you know what? We're, we're, we're bringing this to a close. We've made enough money. It's called the final chapter. You gotta believe us. We're going to give you a satisfying conclusion. You can tell all your friends, come see it twice, have some popcorn. I don't know. Do whatever you're going to do. In one of the early drafts of this screenplay, um, The way that Tommy Jarvis was going to kill Jason was like this weird... He basically took like the motor out of a microwave and it was going to be this bizarre contraption that he used and it was going to melt Jason's head. And I'll be honest with you, that sounds pretty cool and I would have totally been there for that. But notoriously, this film would be butchered by the MPAA and they had real big problems with this movie in particular because there was a child in Jeopardy. Um, Famously, they had wanted to kill the dog, Gordon, and they shot two different um, scenes with Gordon. One was Jason picking him up by the throat and throwing him out a window, and the second take looks a little bit more like Gordon breaking through a window and escaping, so they went with the second one. They had a lot of trouble with this film and the Motion Picture Association, because the last three films kind of went under the radar. And they were, they were like, uh, by the third movie, they caught on. like, hey, wait a second. Didn't you make those gruesome, violent movies before? Hey, wait a second. Here's another one. Wait, didn't... Oh, because the MPAA was just full of old people at that time. And they, they could barely keep their eyes open during these pictures. But now, parental groups, video watchdogs, uh, the UK... Obviously, they had their whole list of films, that the video nasties. Uh, Friday the 13th was very much on their radar. So now when you put a little kid in this movie, it really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And they had to make a lot of cuts to part four, the final chapter. Ultimately, Tommy is the one who survives, and he's able to use psychology and he's just a little kid he uses psychology to beat jason how does he do that well he kind of he shaves his head and he grabs a machete and he convinces jason that it's him <laughs> this brilliant form of reverse psychology jason sees himself as this child and it's just enough time for him to uh beat the crap out of jason with a machete uh which they cut down and then jason uh falls his head falls on top of the machete and goes through great effect still one of my favorites from savini and uh they cut that to bits too Uh, If you go to Camp Crystal Lake Memories, you can look in the book and you can also see in the documentary that they did, you can see some more of the behind the scenes stuff uh, of part four where Jason's head is falling through the machete. It was really gory and grisly. They barely almost kept that in the movie, but essentially we're to believe that Jason, this crazy killer, was defeated by a child. And seeing that as a kid, you're like, oh, wow, like, I guess if Corey Feldman can beat him, I, I can beat a killer. Yeah, maybe I'll survive. Well, at the end of the movie, Corey Feldman wakes up, he's in the hospital, and it's like, oh, everything's, you know, good. And it's that fake-out ending, the fake-out ending that they even ripped off for Halloween 4, which is another trilogy within a series. We'll get to that, I promise. I promise, I'm running out of content Um, (laughs) So By the end of this movie We're to believe With Corey Feldman's creepy bug eyes Opening wide at the end That somehow The spirit of Jason has inhabited This sickness, this curse Has been placed upon the young Jarvis boy But We were told by producers By Paramount This was the final chapter So you make up whatever little stories you want in your head and uh, you know, you do what you're going to do. Wouldn't you know it? Friday the 13th part four final chapter makes a ton of money. It makes a ton of money. So the executives, they're, uh, they're mulling around saying to themselves, I think it's time. Hear me out. We do another Friday the 13th movie. And it's not even like with part three, like they waited a year to do a final chapter. Like they were like, ah, you know, they tried to resist the evil temptation of just making money again. Nope. 1985, uh, the next year, Friday the 13th, chapter five, part five, a new
0: beginning. If the memory of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him. (laughs) murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn and suddenly terror has become child's play 13th, part 5, a new beginning.
1: Oh, that's brilliant, right? We're gonna start over, start fresh, start clean, new outlook. I really like part five. I think part five is one of my favorites in the series. Uh, it's directed by Danny Steinman, who, as for mentioned, had done Savage Streets, did a lot of porn. It has a very sleazy quality. It's the first Friday the 13th movie where we see people doing cocaine. So you know it's a good movie. You know that it's a solid, solid movie. And even in part five, they're just introducing new characters and killing people. And A New Beginning is very interesting because I remember catching this on cable as a kid and it really freaked me out. And they were able to get Corey Feldman back they, initially, they were going to have him Basically be kind of the real star of this movie But unfortunately It wasn't in the cards And they had to completely rewrite the script They were able to get him um, When he had some time off Between Goonies and Gremlins And they had to shoot this stuff In the kid's backyard And it's basically uh, Corey Feldman As Tommy Jarvis again And he's digging up Jason And... It ends up just being a dream sequence. And this is the only time in the movie, quote-unquote, the real time that we see Jason, the real Jason, um, wouldn't you know, gets dug up by a bunch of, I don't know, I'm going to call them horny grave robbers. Let's just say they're horny. I don't know what they're horny for, but they're horny. They're horny grave robbers. They dig up Jason. Jason comes back to life. And then that's the last we see of... Corey Feldman is Tommy Jarvis. He wakes up and suddenly he's a hulking, uh, brooding, late teenager. I can't tell. This new actor who's playing Tommy Jarvis, he looks like he's 30 years old. And I think he's supposed to be like 17. But it's like that weird thing of how people in the 80s and 70s look like they were 48, even though they're playing an 18-year-old. And this guy, is he's gigantic. He's a big dude um I want to find the actor's name because he basically went on to just be a uh, one of those religious people for a long time he was like oh, I'm gonna disavow this movie I don't want to tell anybody that I did it um but let, let's face it I mean you know it is what it is you made it you know, I mean he probably goes to conventions he makes he makes money off of this nonsense let's be perfectly honest We'll be right back with more of The Offering with Jerry Horror. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Horror. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhorror at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at jerryhara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there, at Jerry Haro. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the offering. Now back to the show. John Shepard was 25 years old when he played this part. I think he's supposed to be playing 17 or 18. This is five years... Five years, okay? So we're supposed to believe in five years that not only did Tommy Jarvis... This is why the whole timeline for Friday the 13th is screwed up. Don't even try... See, like, now you're all spoiled. You mother... You're all spoiled because now you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe and things make sense and there's continuity. In five years, I'm supposed to believe that Corey Feldman turned into... He was then 25 at this point, John Shepard that he went through puberty and turned into this hulking mass of a blonde-haired Aryan dream boy. Now, uh, Tommy Jarvis, he's, he's grown up in various mental hospitals, and he's unable to get the nightmares about Jason under control, so he's sent to a rural halfway house in New Jersey. Of course it's in New Jersey. For mentally disturbed teenagers, and wouldn't you know it, a bunch of grisly murders starts happening. People are getting picked off one by one. I love Part 5. It is just such a sleazy, nasty piece of business. It's terrible. I mean, and and terrible in the best possible way. This movie was kind of like Paramount accepting the fact that we're just going to put these movies out as product, and if they make money, they make money, and they probably will. Even... (laughs) Even I think the tagline for this film was, "If Jason still haunts you, you're not alone." So that was kind of the laziest uh, tagline ever. Hey, J- Jason haunts you, yeah? Eh, you're not alone. Not alone, kid. It's, uh, it is what it is. The murders in this movie are are done a little bit more POV style, as we had seen in the earlier Friday the Thirteenths, and. Tommy is supposed to be playing The ultimate red herring We're kind of like Hey everybody here is getting murdered Dear god could it be Tommy And there's a part where like Tommy gets into a fight with this kid And he kicks the crap out of him And you're like Dear god In this time that Little Corey Feldman Turned into this version of Tommy Jarvis He's like an amazing powerhouse Like he could whoop your ass So the whole movie, you're thinking to yourself, well, this is it. Tommy Jarvis is the new Jason. He's murdering everybody. Ha ha. No. The brilliant screenwriters had formulated this plan that it was actually Roy. Now you're asking yourself, who the fuck is Roy? I'm still asking myself, who the fuck is Roy? Roy is the ambulance driver whose fat son was hacked to bits. And that just set him off and he was killing all these people. And he wears Jason's mask, except this time he's got blue chevrons on the mask. And uh, he was murdering everybody. Now, by the time we reach the end of Friday the 13th, Part 5, uh, we see Tommy is in the hospital. And uh, he sees Jason. And this is the second time that we see the real Jason. And for whatever reason, Jason just fades. And it's obviously just some kind of a hallucination Or we're meant to believe that this is Jason's ghost and he's haunting him. Everything, that's the funny thing in the 1980s. Everything was just so ambiguous. You were never given, and it's it's lazy screenwriting. And it's also like somebody smoking a cigarette and like, well, it's open to interpretation. You know, and like, we think our audience is smart enough to leave these things uh, open to interpretation. And that's bullshit. It's just lazy screenwriting. Okay. I'm a lazy person. I also enjoy writing some screenplays I know lazy writing I'm a lazy screenwriter I know I know what you're doing You can tell me otherwise But I know exactly what you're doing So Whoever the young ingenue of this film was She comes in She's like Oh Tommy And then Tommy murders her And then Grabs the Jason mask And he goes off into the night Well Hey You know It is what it is (laughs) that's Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. So the whole movie, you're supposed to think that Tommy's the killer. He wasn't the killer. They kill the killer. And then ultimately, Tommy becomes the killer. What are they saying with this? What is the subtext? What is the message? Nothing. Because nobody knew what they were doing. It was more important for Danny Steinman to get in as much blood and as many boobs as he could. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, remains one of the dirtiest in the entire series. Again, it's the first time you see cocaine. You won't see cocaine until Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, you've got some really nasty sex scenes that had to be trimmed down. And the murders in this movie. They, like, a guy gets a flare in the throat. Like, there's just some stuff here that comes off really, really mean-spirited. Even for today... And personally, I feel like this is the last, and again, till part eight, which is the last in the Paramount Pictures era, there's just something about this movie that is just so dirty and sleazy. I feel like after this, this is about as far as you can go with the series, you know, they had to kind of go in a new direction and they would, they would. Because Frank Mancuso Jr., who was you know shepherding these projects and behind them, he's like, we really kind of fucked over the audience. They knew they made a big goof. So one thing that uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. was sure of that he was going to do, he's like, we're going to bring Jason back. We're going to bring Jason back because the fans want it. They deserve it. Um, it sucks because like. This is the downtrend of the Friday the 13th movies Like 4 was kind of the high point And this is where they start to kind of peter out And there's peaks and valleys And arguably I think one of the best in the series Is Friday the 13th part 6 Jason Lives Which uh, of course They had said hey we got a new beginning But here's part 6 and here was a year later we're doing it They thought the nightmare was dead
0: Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th.
1: Friday the 13th, part six. Jason Radar. This movie is an hour and 26 minutes, and they use every single frame effectively. And wouldn't you know it? We're recasting Tommy Jarvis again because he's the only common thread throughout these movies. And this movie is played by Tom Matthews. And uh, Tom Matthews, you might remember from uh, Return of the Living Dead. One of my favorite zombie movies, if not my favorite, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, this movie, like the others, would have a lot of problems with the MPAA, a lot of graphic deaths. They wanted to tone it down. Um, the real hero of this movie is uh, the director, Tom McLaughlin. And Tom McLaughlin decided, hey... I'm going to bring a little bit more gothic horror. Uh, A lot of the things that I'm into and things that I enjoy, such as even the resurrection of Jason in the beginning, is very much like Frankenstein. Now, Tom Matthews is fine. I like him, to be perfectly honest with you. I like him just as much as I like Corey Feldman, but in a different way. Um, Obviously, things have not been working out for Tommy Jarvis. He's uh, hanging out with Horshack, Rorschach, not Rorschach from uh, Watchmen, Horshack from uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, They're driving around looking for Jason's grave, and he just wants to make sure he's dead. He plunges a piece of the wrought iron gate into his heart, lightning strikes, resurrecting Jason. Uh, We are now in the era of the fully uh, realized zombie Jason. All bets are off. This is now a supernatural creature. It is a full-on supernatural monster we are up against. Um, And of course, the local sheriff wants nothing to do with that Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis, you need to stop talking these tall tales about this crazy killer with a hockey mask. We don't need that. Uh, It is no longer Crystal Lake. They've renamed it, rebranded it as Forest Green. That's right. Nothing bad happens in old Forest Green. Well, now, Friday the 13th, part six, is very interesting because we bring back in the kid element. In part four, Tommy Jarvis was the sole child. In this one, everybody's getting ready to go back to Camp Crystal Lake and there's children. It's the first time in the film series where we see a bunch of children that are campers. So that's very interesting because now we have, we bring back in that whole thing, like, you know, like, Will Jason kill kids? And, you know, obviously not. It doesn't kill them. But it still puts these children in a place of jeopardy that we had never seen with the series before. Um, smartly, Tom McLaughlin uh, infuses this film with a lot of humor. Some people dig it. Some people don't. But the movie is very meta. It's very self-aware. I got to see it on a double bill last year with Scream. Scream and as a precursor to Scream, it works as a meta-commentary within the horror genre, especially the slasher genre. Uh, I like Part 6 a lot. I think uh, Jason Lives is probably one of the best films out of them all. If Part 4 is the most quintessential, Part 6 is the one that you should show to your friends because it's a good gateway drug into the franchise itself. Now, ultimately... Tommy Jarvis has been our protagonist. In the last movie, he was kind of crazy. He's still kind of crazy. But in this movie, he's fully functioning and doing the heavy lifting as our hero. And I think that's, as a, a fan, that's what we've wanted to see. Now, obviously, by the end of this movie, he's able to lure Jason out to a boat. boat catches fire. And this brilliant plan, which is absolutely ridiculous, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, as, as an adult and I understand physics... Puts a chain around Jason's neck, which the other side of the chain has a big rock on it, and, and that's his brilliant plan. That he's gonna put the chain around Jason's neck, and then he's gonna be anchored down into the lake. And and honestly, it's not a bad plan. I've heard worse. You know, it's it's it is what it is. It's something, you got something there. Wouldn't you know it? Tommy Jarvis is able to triumph over evil, and I'm really glad that they didn't kill him off. Puts the chain around Jason's neck He gets sunk down to the bottom Of the uh, Crystal Lake And I don't know I don't even know if I remember it I mean, I think that Jason opens his eyes Like before we flash to the credits I'm pretty sure he does If he doesn't, maybe I just made that up Maybe it's something I remember It's like the Mandela effect I don't know So, we started out with Tommy Jarvis as a kid Then he's a big kid who's 25 years old and supposed to be 17. uh, And he's just a crazy person who then ends up murdering some chick and running off into the night in in his hospital gown. And now in this movie, he's kind of a full-on hero. It, It totally works. There's an arc there. I mean, I don't know if it was intended storytelling. I don't think they realized it. But after this the Tommy Jarvis character is kind of never spoken of again or brought back. So it comes to this interesting kind of crux that there is a trilogy within the Friday the 13th franchise and the common thread between all three films is Tommy Jarvis. I hate to say it, but even as loosely and as sloppily as it was all put together, he does have an arc. He starts out as a kid, he fights back, he goes a little crazy in the middle movie and you know, he's finding himself, maybe murder some people. And in the third movie is the hero. That's not bad. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of other film series out there who can't even accomplish that. I mean, it's it's impressive, you know, for Friday the 13th, too. It's like Friday the 13th is like the special Olympics of filmmaking. You know, hey, I yeah, here's a medal. Here you go. You did all right. You, I mean, you did a good job. It was for for a young, you know. Look, I'm just saying. <laughs> Friday the 13th, We don't expect mo- Friday the 13th is not going to win an Oscar, especially at this point that we're making these films for the sole purpose of making money, and there is something inherently crass about that. But they were able to take this character and bring him full circle. And that's more than I can say for most major motion pictures. There's a lot of shitty pictures out there. I've watched them all. I know. I've seen them. This works. What's even crazier... Well, it's not even that crazy at this point. Years later, a crazy person and noted actor Corey Feldman has come forward and said, I I really want to do a movie where we have the return of Jason Voorhees, and I come back. And, And then everybody was like, that's great, Corey. You... You need, you need to go sit down Because as much of a great idea that is Is that like Corey Feldman did a great job playing the kid But he still just looks like a weird mutated scrawny version of that kid I mean who would have known that he would have metamorphosized into uh, John Shepard And then once again into hunky Tom Matthews So at this point I, I think that the Tommy Jarvis character Could be brought back Now it's crazy because uh, There's some fan films that were made um, Never Hike Alone And then Never Hike in the Snow And they bring back uh, Tom Matthews As Tommy Jarvis And in those films it actually works If you haven't Like look, I kind of despise fan films I think they're a waste of time And resources You could be making an original film I don't see the point of them But again, never hike alone and never hike in the snow, considering with all the rights being tied up by legal mumbo-jumbo at this point. Um, Those films by Womp Stomp, those are probably the best of the bunch that you're going to see. I do recommend that you give them a shot. Uh, Tommy Jarvis does return in those movies, and I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it is quite interesting and, and gives a new narrative arc for that character. Now, considering the series got rebooted in 2009 and dear god, it's almost been 12 years since we've had a new Friday the 13th movie theatrically, I don't expect them to bring back the Tommy Jarvis character. I don't know what you do. And that's kind of the 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 takeaway from this episode is where do we go with the Friday the 13th franchise? The last reboot installment that you had from Platinum Dunes 12 years ago, well, time's passed. So even if you're going to bring back those actors, it's not really going to work. I did like Derek Mears as the new Jason Voorhees. I think there was there was something that worked. I enjoy the remake more than I probably should, but I, I feel that it works. Um, I don't think they're going to continue any of the threads that were started with that New remake So We're kind of at a point That if you Wanted to do yet another reboot Reimagining, because look look, I understand you're a fan They're not going to go back and make a direct sequel to part 8 It's just not going to happen I just don't see it happening Um, I think that if they did A new series of films Maybe they could do their own little trilogy Just like we've seen this new trilogy Like I told you, Halloween 4, 5, and 6 are a trilogy, and now we're getting our second trilogy within the series, which is Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and the forthcoming Halloween Ends. That's its own little trilogy. I think that if you're going to bring Friday the 13th back the most effective way, do a real Tommy Jarvis trilogy. Not a slapdash, we don't know what we're doing, just making it up as we go along, have Tommy start out as a kid. You know, maybe you take a Stranger Things type of approach. In the first movie, he's a kid. The second one, he's a teenager. And then in the third movie, he's an adult. You know, you could do it like they did it, chapter one and two. That might make the most sense. I don't know. It's all up in the air. Once they figure out what's going on and who owns what and who deserves to get paid for what, Look, man, I don't know whether it's Sean Cunningham. I don't know what the problem is at this point. um, But one way or the other, what do you think? I mean, look, you can find me. I'm out here. We out here. Jerry Hara, at Jerry Hara. I'm on social media, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, the TikTok. We're, We're everywhere. You know, tell me, what do you think? Do you think a new Tommy Jarvis trilogy is the way to go with the Friday the 13th franchise? Because I have to be honest with you, I don't see any other other way. Because you have to, look, if they're looking to recreate and start a new chapter, no pun intended, one way or the other, whether they decide to do this new series of films, you gotta have a plan. And if you're going to have some kind of a loose plan, maybe a Tommy Jarvis trilogy is the way to go. Kind of what they've done with these new Halloween films. You know, maybe you start out and Tommy Jarvis is an adult and he's got a family of his own. And oh, Jason's back. Oh my God, it's crazy. What are we going to do? And we tell that story moving forward. There's something to be said for that. But if you're going to do a new Friday the 13th movie, please understand that if it makes money, you need A plan for a second and a third And twelve down the road You definitely need a plan for that Hey, don't forget folks, I'm on YouTube If there's some episodes that you've missed Or you want to see some of the other fun stuff That I've done, go on YouTube I review chicken sandwiches there I talk about movies That I've seen in under a minute You want to know if you should watch it or not Go to to YouTube, say Hey, should we watch Fear Street? Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't I don't know, let's find out I'm there, I'm on The the Offering with Jerry Hara on YouTube. Well, we've had a lot of fun today, kids, and I hope that you have a killer Friday the 13th, because it's the only one this year. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jerry Hara, this has been The Offering, and hey, don't bother going to sleep if you don't have something worth dreaming about. See y'all next time. You've been listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. I'm very sorry. Produced by Pete Bune. If you have a question or a story you want to share with me, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offering. I'm Tom, my partner Mike and I have been friends and coworkers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we're currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst. The pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today.
0: This has been a Sick Boy Wolfgang production. Thank you for listening.